I just think with this Jesse St. James, just to think of the, you know, just to think about again where they all wind up at the end of the series, mm-hmm. I think just to look back on that, although that, that wasn't what, um, what Ryan Murphy wanted to begin with, I mean, given the circumstances, it's still really interesting to see, to put in the context, uh, Jesse St. James plus Rachel plus Finn, that whole triangle in the context of what happens later. I mean, it's a... Yeah. And so... Um, oh, yeah. oh, sorry. I keep talking over you, Connie. That's sorry. okay. That's all right. I just thought it was... Uh, I mean, we. I think we mentioned before how it's, how interesting it is that to kind of to look back on these apps now that we have the conclusion of the... Mm-hmm. Like the... Like the um, a closed arc. So it's really... I think I noticed some stuff that I haven't really noticed before. And then before I had that other episode as a bookend. So I th- I just thought it was um, a different twist on it now that we know the ending. Mm-hmm. I, I think it gives Jesse's character a little more weight in the, in the long run of things. Um, yeah. The few times he does come back. Um, season three, definitely that, that kind of sweet episode episode that kind of sweet moment at the end of season three at nationals when the two of them have like this moment together yeah i, I think it, it adds a little bit more to their um uh overall not that there's much story there but story mm-hmm. yeah so yeah it is kind of interesting to put the, that in context of well rachel's gonna someday like marry this guy mm-hmm. um which also you know there's been a, there was a lot of talk about in season one about is Jesse sincere with his feelings? Is he just using her? What's going on? And, and here he comes back and is sincerely interested in, in both of this episode in New York, he's just aghast at all of the Finchel drama that goes on. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I think you can definitely say he does have some feelings for her. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of stuff he does is out of self motivation or self, um, preservation, but, um, mm-hmm. There, there is a genuine um, interest in Rachel here. Yeah, I think these are the first two. These are the first couple episodes that I thought that there was genuine interest, rather than like in season. I think it was in the beginning of, I guess in the, I guess in the back half of season one. Where, but yeah, I think this is the first. These are the first two episodes that I think that it was actually genuine in its feelings. I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, he's so, kind of used as a tool, kind of to another uh, speed bump in the whole Finchel uh, romance, kind mm-hmm. of like at because uh, Finn had Quinn as his um, like other interest, and it. It's nice to give Rachel, like, another interest, somebody who's interested in her, and she's like, well, he's kind of like my male counterpart, <laughs> and like, yeah, <laughs> you know what? Me, but I love Finn anyway, so. Yeah. I kind of like Jesse and Rachel together. That's just, I don't know. I'm not, like, shipping anybody. I really am kind of indifferent uh-huh. in general. But I, I do like them together. Yeah, I, I do too. I'm really glad they ended up together. And I I think like I mean this is season six talk, but like 
the fact that they had like Rachel have that like um nervousness about going with Sam to the to the wedding was kind of like just on the way to like forgiving herself and allowing her to open herself up to Jesse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I think so. Well, and I think that's what again this is season six stuff, but yeah. um, uh, talking Mercedes said something like like you need Sam to heal right now or something. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway. But, no, I think you're you're right on the nose with that observation there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I really like Jesse in funeral. He was he was funny and like just he was perfect. Like he was horrible but perfect. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that you could really see that in the contrast when he was he and the, she were auditioning the the three the Mercedes um, curtain. And Rachel, Santana and Rachel. Yeah, and, and yeah. Santana too. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, where where uh, she was trying to be encouraging and stuff, and Jesse was like really blunt and straight to the point. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, we'll get we'll get into that a little more in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, first, we actually have, however, um, did they say? No, I guess they didn't. Um. Sue's sister Jean passes away, and um, after a good long life, I mean, um, Sue says herself she that Jean was not expected to live as long as she did, and um, it's very admirable that she was able to live as long as she did. But mm-hmm. of course, this kind of rocks Sue's world, and um, she's horrible to Becky, and it's really yeah. sad. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's how. It's that's how Shu finds out, right? Though that yeah. he wanted to, yeah, to join the Lee club. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and Kurt and Finn go go to see her and ask her how she's doing. Mm-hmm. And this makes a lot of sense to me. Um, these two young men have lost parents, and um, even if Finn didn't know his dad, it's still a substantial thing in his life. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they try to reach out to her. Of course, she's uh, not as accepting or open because she's Sue and because this is a hard time for her, so she's not going to be like that. But well, I think that at that point you could see it really her grief in that because she was trying to wrestle with it. I mean, you could see her go through the five the, the stages of grief and the anger. I mean, the first one being anger, anger, because I think this is the first time that you really see her walls come down a bit with the kids when when she confronts, or, well, not confronts, but when she puts it to, um, she asked Finn and Kurt, she said, can you tell me why my sister was, um, why my sister, why I had to suffer through, why I have to go with this with my sister? I mean, she was really, I think she really let her walls down and showed her grief at that point, although she was still angry. I think that really kind of rocked them to kind of let them see, yeah, she's she's vulnerable here, yep. and that she needed compassion rather than you know, you know, to, for them to back away. You know, um, and adding to that, I think is the fact that here are Kurt and Finn, and they kind of see through 
Sue gets to be a real person in this episode, opposed to the, a lot of the times that she's kind of a cartoon character, mm-hmm. and um, have re- real feelings and everything. And instead of, like, they kind of just take her kind of nastiness and see through it, see that there really is a grieving person in there. Exactly. And then they think of, um, I have in my notes about Jean, who was also an outsider, an outcast, and and how the, the two of them relate to um, Jean as well, and mm-hmm. how that they want to, you know, cherish her memory as well as help, um, as well as help Sue. And that's one reason why I think that they go to the Glee Club, and they basically say, hey, you know, let's help out Sue, uh, let's try and do something for her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when they do that, however, Jesse, <laughs> oh, man, uh, is like, you know what, who cares that somebody died? Let's keep, you know, uh, training for nationals. Mm-hmm. And um, it makes you wonder how much empathy Jesse has for the human race. Thank <laughs> you. Um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, something not as trivial as death should stop them from their goal. But it, at the same time, it's kind of, you know, I think this is what the show is trying to point out, because Jesse's so harsh, like, in the long scheme of things, nationals is important to them, but is it as important as celebrating these lives of other people? Exactly. Yeah, and... and it shows Jesse is like the outsider to the Glee Club because, like, even though he was in the Glee Club for like a, a few months, whether undercover or whatnot, he never really got the the fact that like this kind of stuff was more important to them than preparing for nationals or or regionals or uh, sectionals that um. It's it's more important to stick together, even for their like, I guess, arch enemy Sue Sylvester. Like when when somebody needs you, you're there for them, mm-hmm. and that's that's something that's the Glee Club. Like every every person in the Glee Club over the last two seasons had learned for themselves, mm-hmm. and yeah. will continue to learn through the next season, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesse doesn't understand that. He understands we're here to win, we're here to sing, we're here to perform, which is not what Glee Club is for the new direction. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about, uh, like, new directions versus old or like, new, new directions versus the old direction. I don't know. The, like, season one crew versus season four crew. Mm-hmm. And how season, you know, the... Original diva quartet that we're going to see doing auditions here. You know, everybody was so catty and and whatever. But I still think there was some supportive membrane in there, for lack of better words. I I think that at the end of the day, even that group um, still supported each other when they needed it. Yeah, I just saw a a gift set where had like, you know, the gift sets have nine frames, and each frame was a different person saying that New Directions is my family, it's my home, like, I love everybody in that room, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Even Santana not- said it. She's like, okay? I, I like the league club, okay? Which in her, her language is like, yeah, this is my family, this is my home. 
Mm-hmm. And we can touch upon it um, for a second when we get into New York, but there's that scene between Brittany and Santana where Brittany is like, you know, Glee Club is family and we fight and we break up and we get back together and yeah. whatever she says. But at the end of the day, she's like, I want to be there when Artie takes his first steps and when Mike and Tina don't actually get married. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, uh, I think for all of what, all for all that Brittany is portrayed as being out there and in her own little world, I think she she has the most she she has the lines that cut straight to the straight to the heart of the issue. I think I mean not not issue but straight to the heart of the um whatever they're talking about. And I think that was I mean that's jumping ahead a bit, but I think it's exactly. I mean, what she said about family, that, that's, that's straight on to the point. Mm-hmm. She hit it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, moving on to the auditions. <laughs> so, here, here's my thing about the auditions. Um, there's four of them. Mm-hmm. And it's Santana goes first with Back to Black, and then Kurt goes second, and we'll talk about Kurt's in depth in a second. Um, with some people, and then um, Mercedes goes back, and for the life of me, I'm blanking on what she sings, but it uh, is amazing. Try a little tenderness. Try a little tenderness, and then uh, Rachel with my man. And while it's usually okay, this is ten minutes straight of these auditions, and while most of the time there's usually at least ten to fifteen minutes of music in an episode, um, this is a quarter of the episode where. Basically, the action completely stops, and while I think this episode, for the most part, is a, is a good episode, I, I do think that this is, I, I feel really bad saying this whenever I say this, but it, it, it just bogs right down. Yeah. Um, each of these individual solos on their own are, are very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, maybe it's probably just my bias, but Kurtz is the only one that is like visually entertaining. Um, the rest of the girls that kind of just stand there. Santana moves around a little bit. Um, and that's my problem. It, it highlights my problem with solos in general on the show, um, which I know I'm not the only one that's ever said this, but like a lot of times um, when the solo is not kind of moving the plot forward, we're sitting listening to somebody sing for like two or three minutes straight. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like when you're in a visual medium, mm-hmm. you kind of want momentum to keep it going. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of the competition, they can do dancing, and so it's a little bit more energetic, and, and there's something a little bit to hold on to. But when Rachel, for the, you know, 10th time already, is just standing there crying, I, it <laughs> just loses the emotional impact of well, it. So and I think that's my rant uh, for, for that. So go ahead. Well, I think, the, I, I think um, what Jesse said to Mercedes when he was doing her critique I think that kind of uh, backs up your your observation in that uh, I can't remember what he said exactly, but he said something like, um, where he, he was telling Mercedes, well, you haven't really practiced, have you? And she said, well, why don't I, why do I have to practice? No. And she said, well, well you, you might as well could sing, but you don't do any choreography or anything. You just stand there. And that's what, <laughs> that's what he told her in his, her critique. His critique of her, and of course she's offended and everything, but he does have a point. I mean, she just, she, as as great as her voice is, she just stands there and belts out the same with Rachel. Yep. Yep. And even Santana, they just yeah. kind of 
stand there and belt things out. Mm-hmm. And, yep. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that that Mercedes is lazy. Um, yeah, me I, that, <laughs> That's exactly. Um, I do think anybody. I will say this across the board: if they are not practicing and they want to be a vocalist, practice. Don't don't try and do it on talent alone. It won't work for you. Mm-hmm. You need practice. Um, but I do think you know. I do think Mercedes will down the line when she's working with uh, her um, record deals will definitely practice a little more. But um, the point of Jesse's barbs to kind of going off on a different tangent altogether, that they were not helpful. They were supposed to be barbed in a way that was kind of just digging into their characters Mm -hmm. and, and not so he could like specifically have reasons to give it to Rachel, even if things are unfounded or something. Yeah. The, criti- the criticism is unfounded. Yeah. And plus, he, she, I mean, when he was talking to Rachel about, you know, asking her about her solo, and she said, well, he was really trying to get at, well, do you have anybody specific in mind that you're seeing this for? I mean, he's really, <laughs> yeah. he's very, he's very uh, upfront about it. I mean, he... <laughs> So. Yep. Well, there's a little flash to Finn in her solo. Yeah. So it's obvious. I mean, yeah. I mean, the Finchel stuff wraps up in the next episode yeah. anyway. But it's deliberate, and mm-hmm. he was visibly upset that he she wasn't. She's like, no, 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 nobody else. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I'm blanking on um, Santana's criticism, which yeah. He, oh, that she lacked the Emotion. emotional depth of the song, which yeah. is personally I find ridiculous. I oh think yeah. She, that performance, um, I, like I said, I think alone. Santana was, singing uh, Amy Winehouse is like, yeah. it's obvious. It's like, yeah. yeah. Like if anything, it's, like a a um, criticism, it would be like that's that's in your wheel ha- wheelhouse. Why didn't you uh-huh. challenge yourself more? But yeah. like she she just rocked that solo like. My favorite two were Santana and um, Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Yep. My favorite yeah. two performance of the four. Yeah. Mercedes, just her vocals, oh, though, I am just always blown away. I know. Yeah. Vocally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's talk about Kurt for a minute. Mm. Yay. Oh, this kid. I. It's some people. Um, I, for the life of me, I don't have anything, any source to back me up on this, but I do believe he either got to pick the song or he was in very good, big favor of it because it's one of his favorite songs. Um, and it's very, uh, Chris-ish song, Mm -hmm. um, talking about, you know, ambition and going out there and getting what you want. Mm -hmm. Um, it speaks to Kurt on a lot of levels, I think. It, it makes a lot of sense that Kurt would sing this song. Um, it it's not my favorite Kurt solo. Mm-mm. No, he sings it wonderfully. I have no complaints in that department. Um, but I and and I mean it's there. It's all there. But for whatever reason, for me, and it isn't in my like top ten Kurt solos that. Man, I'm just completely moved every time I I come to this performance. Oh, I, yeah, uh, me too. I mean, I personally I get this solo mixed up with the one that he did. Um, and for the life of me, my 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 mind is blinking right now. But 
when he was the, when he and Bert really first had their really first connection in season one. Rose, Rose's turn. Rose, yeah, Rose's turn. Thank you. I I don't know why I had my brain had it uh, lapsed, but um, well, I think they're they're from the same like time period from Broadway. Yeah, big Broadway, yeah it's exactly like, for both the songs. Yeah, yeah, they're so. from the same show. They're sung by the same person. Yeah. <laughs> But, so they're they're from Gypsy. That's why I probably got mixed up with them both because I I I, I guess between the two I I favor Kurt's turn or uh, Rose's turn. Rose's turn or the Kurt's fish. turn or I guess both uh, both turn, really. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I guess I favor that solo over this solo but uh, I think I mean, with this solo Kurt, I think Kurt was going through. Um, I mean, he had his, he was moving around and did his little dramatic stuff, but, um, it didn't, re- I didn't really feel as much as I do with other, with his other solos, so mm-hmm. I don't, uh, yeah, it's not in my, definitely not in my top ten. Well, and my thing, you know, Kurt doesn't sing as much as a lot of the other people on the show, and... Usually, his songs are met with a little bit more, gosh, I hate to say depth, um, as if I'm, like, really criticizing this solo, and I'm not, but, um, this is meant to be an audition piece, but there's no real context, there's nothing to audition for, this, I mean, um, I'm the Greatest Star next season stands out a little bit more than this, Mm -hmm. um, and there's no story behind it. I mean, yeah, it, like I said, it does fit. It does match Kurt's personality of wanting to go out there and see his life and get things done and, mm-hmm. and be... Um, God, this, this is his last solo of the season. Um, you know, he's come through this arc and come out better. And uh-huh. is so, you know, it is a good pick. But I think just the context in which it sits, I mean, we've already had Santana solo, we're already going to Mercedes solo, it, it isn't as strong as his other works. Um, I will say, though, it is the most visually entertaining of the four to watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because he actually moves around. Yeah. He does. Uh, uh, um, my notes tell me, and again, I, I could use a source to really back this up, but uh, Chris Colfer did the choreography for this. Oh. <laughs> and you can tell because it has all of the Kurt staples in it of shimmying and mm-hmm. hip twists and, and all of that jazz. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dramatic turns. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and so and, it, I it is. I like when a, he like, turns and walks towards the back of the stage and you have the like camera on his face and he just looks like so proud. Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah, I feel a little bad saying not so great things about this because I think overall it is a very good performance and it's a good song for him. I just, I, I think it's just that connection, emotional level that we usually get with Kurt solos just isn't there yeah. in abundance as, as other ones. Yeah, I think it's a little like out of context for like an actual storyline for like attaching to the music. Like, usually, things like Rose's Turn or I Want to Hold Your Hand or, like, any of those songs, they're they're in context to, like, his story. So have mm-hmm. great emotion behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of going off on a different tangent, I was, like, I remember 
when I was first doing the meta for this, um, I'm like, what is up with his outfit? And I, it occurred to me, he's not wearing super tight pants. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, they're like baggy. I'm like, what? <laughs> Probably so you can do that slide at the end mm-hmm. and not rip anything. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, and um, anyway, uh, Jesse's critique is that I don't even know why this is a, contri- a critique, but that it was sung by a woman, and like okay, yeah, it was written. That uh, who cares? Yeah. We we did this once already in season one, and it's been old news. And yeah, and he even he says that too. Even Kurt says that he's like, we already been through this before. I feel yeah. like they couldn't come up with something that they really wanted to nail Kurt on. So they you use know. that as a fallback excuse, I guess. Yeah. 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 Though it reminds me of a joke my brother likes to say all the time of, like, let's say you're singing Teenage Dream in the car, and he's like, hey, Pam, who actually sings that? And I'm like, um, <laughs> Darren Chris. Yeah, let Darren Chris sing it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I'm posh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, but <laughs> just when Jesse's like, oh, yeah, didn't Patty Lapone do that? Let her sing that. Yeah. But, yep. But you guys don't want to hear me sing, though. I, I'm awful, so I probably should let it let it be to the professional. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, during the, there's like a intermission time between these two, these or there probably was a commercial break um, between the four uh, between Kurtz and Mercedes, and they're in the choir room because apparently they're one by one all doing the their their audition. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kurt comes in and he's like, Jesse St. James, totally Jesse St. Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Rachel's like, something, says something about it. he's not so bad or something. And Kurt's like, correction, you have feelings for him. He made breakfast on your head. Yeah, Which that is, is a line. Yep. <laughs> Which is reference to the, uh, egg throwing of thing. Yeah. But. It's really bad. I wish I had watched this beforehand because I cannot remember. They're just all angry with each other and with Jesse and yeah, like arguing about who's. But I don't remember exactly. I, I, I know Santana and Mercedes said something. They were both they were both really pissed off at him, at Jesse. But I don't exactly know. They they had some scathing remark about him, but I don't remember what. Oh, and I wrote in my notes also that this sequence, it's just this little choir room sequence, is um, uh, shot in the style of a reality show. Mm-hmm. Like, with those thick pans and the close-ups. And I'm like, man, that could have been an interesting little, like, you know, mm-hmm. survivor something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're in the choir room, kind of like a green room, like, between their performances. And that's, yep. that's why they're talking there. Yep. Um, and Rachel goes last. I don't know why the other three of them go in to listen to her. That It makes no sense when the rest of them didn't go in and listen to the others. Or maybe they did. I mean, I guess we really don't know. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, I think they snuck in to listen. I, I think yeah. there was a little sneaking in there. Yeah, yeah. Because here we get we get Kurt who like tears up at her song, so I because he's he, you know he's tearing up at April Rhodes all the time and I'm like mm-hmm. I, I just have this head cannon that he gets really moved when when these divas belt out their, these emotional songs yeah. <laughs> regardless 
Mm-hmm. I don't remember who oh, exactly. Oh, I can just imagine him sitting at home, like, listening to soundtrack and just, like, tearing up like, yeah, as, as Patti LuPone uh, belts on, on, I don't know why I'm thinking record player, like, mm-hmm. but he probably <laughs> does have a record player. Yeah. Like, old Broadway. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, yeah, he said something about, like, damn her personality, she can have talent or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, they're not, it's not full-fledged, you know, BFF. She may be difficult, but boy, can she sing. Yeah. Yeah. Except for Mercedes and Santana are not having it. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's like, like no. at the end, like, he jumps up to clap, and they're like, nope, sit back down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then Jesse like, starts to, to say that she's wonderful, and... All three of them are like, oh, give me a break. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I like Will. um, He's like, okay, I need some time to think about it. And they all roll their eyes at him. It reminds me of that that gif that I I say gif. I'm sorry. You guys can all hate me. (laughs) I say it the way the guy says. I don't know. But anyway, um, where uh, it's Blaine and he's like, why do you always do this? Mm -hmm. And everybody's groaning. Yeah, or what it reminds me of, even if this happened first. Yep. <laughs> so, but I will give Will a little credit here because he is gonna like not just give it to Rachel and think about it, but. So. Yeah. Well. All right. So we get another scene with Finn and Kurt, and they're going through um stuff. stuff. Hi, sorry, I lost you for a second. Oh, oh. Are, you back? are you back? I'm back. Okay, hold on, I'm echoing. Yeah, so, you were echoing a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Both are. Hmm. Testing, one, two, three. Yeah, you're fine now. Okay. I think it's better now. Is it better now? All right. Yep. I think it's better now, mm-hmm. too. Okay. I think my head, headset, my uh, headphones died. Oh, oh no! <laughs> For a second, I don't know. They're Bluetooth, okay. so yeah. <laughs> All right. Everything okay then, though? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just... Okay, cool. All right. So, um, anyway, uh, so yeah, the blah, I said almost said Flynn, um, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Kurt and Ben. Um, are are cleaning out Gene's uh, stuff, and they find all of these you know, moments and things and separating them into piles and she was like, throw it all out. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's not short on memories of her sister. So I'll keep the stuffed animal for everything else. Yeah. And I think this scene is the one that, this scene had the one line that really struck me from Sue about they asked it that, and I wrote this down because Kurt and Finn were both asking her, why are you so, why are you so like this, you know, everything. And she says, she's afraid, why, why do you want the Glee Club to help or something? And she said, uh, she said that she was afraid that no one would come to Jean's service. And that just kind of, that kind of just hit me in the heart. Because mm-hmm. she just, she was, she was worried that nobody would remember Jean, I think. You know. yep. I think it's, so. it's really nice um, that they they portrayed this in a really honest way because yeah. like um, for 
people with uh, Down syndrome, like the uh, the like treatment of them has changed like drastically over the years. Where like for for Jean, um, her generation, like I think she was maybe at the end of it or even right in the middle of it, where um, kids with Down syndrome were basically told their parents were told to put them in homes and they were in homes yeah. pretty much their entire life. And they're, yep. um, they're, uh, they weren't expected to live past 35, mm-hmm. but because attitudes have changed and medical, uh, medical advances have changed. Um, people with Down syndromes are, are more like Becky these days where they're yeah. going to high school. They're going going to college, they're, they're getting jobs, they're living, like, normal lives, um, and also medical advancements have changed so that they're living longer, but, but with Jean, she, she lives in a, um, a care home, and she gets constant care, and so she doesn't really have, like, friends, or, like, because she doesn't really have a life outside of that home, and her sister, so... Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's really, I think it's good that they showed that, like, that, that, what, um, what having Down syndrome looks like, and, and have it, it contrasts with, like, what Down syndrome looks like for Becky. Yeah. Right. Well, and one thing I actually like about the show, that it does, I mean, Glee gets all of the accolades for doing stuff with the LGBT community and everything, and I think this Down syndrome um, aspect of it is. Excuse me. Sorry. It's alright. I think it's a little overlooked in that um, you've got Becky, and she's a real character and a real person, and there are times when I really don't like her, but that's the. You know, I'm glad that, you know, you can have. She's not just. How do I put it? She's not a PSA you know, walking PSA, you know, she's not perfect. She's not, you know, this um, extremely positive and, you know, uh, charity case storyline. Mm-hmm. They treat her as a character as they treat all the rest of the characters. Yeah. And um, I think that's very cool with what they did on the show. Yeah. And I think that started with Sue, I think all of the way back in season one, when, you know, we first see Becky with, you know, Brittany takes kind of, Brittany, um, Brittany, um, is the first one to make a, uh, make sure, um, have Becky as her friend, but then Sue kind of, Sue starts out with having her be on the cheerleaders and everything, and Mr. Sue is like, why are you doing this? And she said, well, because I want to get, She's not one to include Becky, so I think that started off right with season one uh, earlier, um, and I think that can they continued on on through the seasons. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um. Oh, you know, I was I had a thought about the scene though that we're doing, and it's gone now, like usual. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. All right. <laughs> I th- um, um, with Sue's reactions, I don't really, um, I, I think 
it, it also shows that like people deal with grief in different ways. Like mm-hmm. some people are like throw it all away. Some people are like hoard hoard stuff forever of, of people that they've lost. Mm-hmm. So um so she gets really nasty and like well, who is really nasty usually, <laughs> but like yeah. this sometimes there's different levels of Sue nastiness. There's like her as a clown kind of nasty and then mm-hmm. there's her like shooting to hurt kind of nasty yeah. mm-hmm. and, and I, I think, think this, this is more of that like just because of her own pain yeah and like you said it's, it's sort of like self-preservation is that it's like the, her walls automatically go up she, so she just that's like the one that they seem she automatically knows how to do is to be Hurtful and nasty to people that that to preserve her own self. I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I I think it's interesting. Also, it speaks to a, a common thread that I I have never noticed until I started doing these podcasts of the Sue and Kurt bond, um, where she gets nasty and Kurt can throw it right back at her. You know. Yeah. And he, that's he's the one that's like, why are you even having us do this if you don't care? Or mm-hmm. whereas Finn is kind of just perplexed and, and stunned and like okay just you know let's not make you mad anymore um so I, I think that I think that Sue and Kurt can understand each other in a way that not a whole lot of characters understand Sue or can understand what she's up to or what she's thinking mm-hmm. so. And um, then we get the reference to uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, um, which was Jean's favorite um, favorite movie. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that the, the pure imagination. I think that's probably got to be one of the, my favorite song from this episode. Just the arrangement and how they do it. It, mm-hmm. it was very touching and moving. Mm-hmm. I think. Especially how Kurt starts off, you know, singing it. And I was very moved by it. Uh, yeah, going into the, the funeral, there's, um, first of all, they, they're set up, it's set up a little like the Willy Wonka set with all the kind of cartoonish things, but it makes it a very, I hate to say innocent at a funeral, but very sweet and very, like, Gene is going to a happier place type thing. And then we do get Pure Imagination, mm-hmm. which is a gorgeous arrangement of the song. Kurt sounds fantastic on it. Mm-hmm. Um, they all, all sound very good on it. Um, and it is definitely... Uh, this music of this episode is definitely pretty strong. Mm-hmm. And I, I think before that, that scene with when Sue is trying to give the eulogy... To her sister, and then she breaks down, and then um, Mr. Shu goes to her and helps her, fit, you know, helps her finish it. I mm-hmm. think that is the single most powerful thing that I've seen in very many episodes. I think that's the scene that we really see her walls come down and her being vulnerable and how deeply she cared and how deep the bond she had with her, you know, her sister. And I think this is the first time the Glee Club actually saw. The bond mm-hmm. between her, she and her sister, because 
<coughs> you can see you can see cut their their reactions and Rachel tearing up and and the other people well and the other Glee Club members being really visibly moved by it. And I think this is the first time they see her walls come down and she she's she's not a nasty person as she's thinking she's a human <coughs> she's a fellow human being who is hurting. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the first time that they kind of can could relate to that, I guess, or relate to what she was going through. And so, mm-hmm. especially her and Sue, I I think that was the time that Sue and actually him and um, Sue, um, Mr. Shu and Sue bonded, probably. Mm-hmm. When he actually stood up with her when she couldn't continue. That was a very powerful moment. Uh, I wrote in my notes, uh, they wanted to capture the magical wonderfulness of Jean's life instead of the harsh realness of her death. Mm -hmm. And I think they did that, definitely. All right. Um, One thing, as we move on, I do kind of want to, this is probably weird of me to bring this up, um, Actually, I have two thoughts. Um, one is about the Finn and Quinn breakup in the car. I'm not a fan so much of how Glee breaks up his characters very often. Because mm. um, mm-hmm. usually it involves cheating and it's ridiculous. But um, Or it's off screen. They break up a lot of people off screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I actually really like this car scene between the two of them because... It kind of shows this honest and real moment between these two people who are in this relationship and do actually have feelings for each other, but it isn't what either of them really wants. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. I just have always really liked it as a dramatic moment. And I I don't really like much Finn and Quinn, so... Mm -hmm. In particular, I think this is the point where we see Quinn... Kind of, kind of on this precipice of you know. We see this more in the next episode in the finale, but we kind of on the precipice of like um, really questioning what you know her purpose here because she she was set to be palm queen and everything, and now that's taken away. And <clears throat> what is she supposed to do? Right? She, what is she supposed to do now? And I think you, I I think you get the hint of that beginning here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wonder like what what takes her from this point to like over the summer dyeing her hair pink and like um this a bit and and up until this point until let's get Quinn Meta in here in a second. <laughs> <laughs> up until this point, she had a plan. Uh-huh. She talks about the original song, and she was going to, you know, marry Finn and get a real estate le- license mm-hmm. and have two kids and get married and be prom queen and have this happy little life like all the rest of her family has done before her. Yep. And Finn breaks up with her because this, you know, girl that she deems unworthy is in love with him, and he's in love with her, and she just, it, it like, short-circuits her brain. Mm-hmm. So... Then she just starts, and you see it a bit in New York, even though nothing really is active upon, um, she goes on a downward spiral. So, Quinn doesn't do things halfway. She's an all-or-nothing type of girl. Yeah. So, um, she goes just off the deep end. And her dyeing her hair, she's like, I'm going to just drastically change myself. 
Um, because I, if I'm not going to be able to have the life that I want, well then, for lack of a better term, fuck it, I'm going to do something completely insane. Exactly. And um, she kind of finally, I mean, I'm glad that the writers are, I, I, I don't know, I've always wondered if the writers had some issues with Quinn anyway, but um, they, they brought her back to the middle by the end of the series where she's going to, uh, she got into Yale, right? Right. She's going to Yale and she kind of has her life on track and she kind of has an idea of what she wants to do with her life. Um, but it kind of uh, speaks a lot to about these girls who really feel like they're in this one certain kind of mold and they're going to be that way the rest of their lives. And when you do something that changes it, that pivots your life, and, and you can downward spiral into something completely unlike yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's my two cents on Quinn. Um, however, I'm not a big Quinn fan, so if anybody who really is wants to jump in and correct me if they think I'm wrong, that's totally fine. Um, I, I, I I like Quinn. I just feel like she wasn't like developed well in the show, and yeah. the fact that like just it felt like the writers didn't really care for her. Yeah. Well, so, I, I felt like the writers didn't really know what to do with her. Actually, they tried out different storylines, and none of them really stuck. I think. Yeah. So yeah, it's. it's it felt like there was a story to tell there, but there were also, like, a lot of more, like, there were other stories that were being told, so she got pushed to the back, and then, like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we did this? Let's have Quinn do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, and go, we'll talk way more about this when we get to season three. Well, we won't talk a lot about it, because I kind of hate this storyline, but, you know, you get into, it's like, yeah, there's an interesting story there with Quinn kind of losing her way and going off this dark path, yeah. but they choose to make her crazy and try and steal her baby back from Shelby, and the mm-hmm. whole Shelby-Quinn, it, like, it dragged on for eight episodes, and you're like, what even is this? Why are we yeah. watching this? Yeah. Yeah, and then so. she gets into that car wreck, you know, later on, and that was mm-hmm. like that. That was just maybe that was the start of something, but it never really went anywhere. I don't think. Yeah. Well, it helped her find her way to Yale. Yeah, I don't know. That's true. And then Joe, they threw in Joe for some reason. Oh yeah, because he won the Glee project, and they needed him to do something. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Greatest Glee fan, Glee Project fan, but okay. Anyway, well, that is a story for another. We day. got unique. <laughs> yeah, we got unique. Yes, from it. I, I, unique is a fantastic character, and I will say nothing but praises about unique. So, yeah. Um, Rory, on the other hand, no. Anyway, oh. uh, he has a voice though. That voice. <laughs> um. So anyway, getting back to this one. Actual <laughs> uh, episode. Uh. Basically, um, after all the funerals... Oh, the other other story point that I wanted to make is that this is the last time we see Terry. And oh, yeah. I, yeah, she moved I'm to Miami. Yeah. I mean, we do see her in little glimpses here and there, but and the this is the last time she's the main character. Yeah, we do see her in the very last episode, too. Oh, well... No, yeah, we see her in 2009, I guess that that's flat, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah the, other the last two episodes. The last two episodes, yeah. Um, another character of mine who I was never really fond of, but I'm glad that they gave her a, a good send-off. A lo- some characters, you know, get bad send-offs. Some characters don't get a send-off. <laughs> and we actually got a, a, a pretty good one mm-hmm. um, for what her character was. So, and 
it's kind of nice when storytelling wise. I mean, this doesn't happen in real life, but Will and, and Terry kind of get this nice closure on their marriage at before he steps into cementing his relationship with Emma. Mm-hmm. And I think she kind of, I think Terry finally realizes it. I think he kind of nudges him in that direction. I think. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, which also reminds me, because I always forget about it, at this point, Will and Emma are so back and forth during this entire season that it, I just completely forget where they're at. But this is where April Rhodes has um, asked him to be in, in the, on Broadway. Oh, yeah, yeah. So she's kind of like, well, go do your dream. Mm-hmm. So. But anyway, getting back to the kids' story, um, I... I uh, I love that the three of them are standing at this, uh, you know, billboard, and Rachel's like, oh, you know, thank me, or like, don't hate me, or whatever, and Kurt's like, you better look at the thing, because it says to meet them all, meet in the auditorium, or whatever, uh-huh. and the choir. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, okay, so, um, they get in the choir room, and... Jesse's already declaring Rachel the winner, and they're all, like, sniping at each other. So this is where we do get uh, the classic old New Direction dynamic of them all bickering at each other. Yeah. But again, like, at the end of it, when Will's like, I don't want this for these kids, which is, wow, Will, that's great. I'm glad you were mm-hmm. actually not trying to promote this kind of thing. Um, but they are all teachers for once, Will. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> They're all trying to support each other and, and, and even begrudgingly saying nice things about their the singing. Mm-hmm. And I just find it very amusing how he thinks that they can do two, they can write two original songs within, you know, uh, right on their way, you know, right when they, you know, while they're at, while they're in New York before the, before the competition. Yeah, that's going to work out. <laughs> Well, you know, and he's like, let's get songwriting here. I'm, why have they not freaking written a song before they go to New York? I know, anyway, exactly. I, I think that's a great segue to, to move on to the next episode, unless there was something else that you guys wanted oh, to touch upon. There was one thing I also wanted to do, two more things real quickly. The, oh, go ahead. The go reconnection ahead. between the, uh, the um, Becky and Sue, you know, how Sue apologizes. And oh, they yeah. have this really nice hug between them and... Uh, Sue says, you know, she can be back with the Cheerios. And mm-hmm. she actually apologized to Becky, you know, for for treating her so badly. And um, so that was a nice moment between them. And also, mm-hmm. um, I think it was this episode where where she, she finally makes her peace with Will, I guess, when they're sitting in the, I guess, teacher's lounge. And he, she says, well, after all you did for me. And, so, and I think... I think she said that Sue, uh, Jean taught her to, you know, I guess the death of her sister made her more reflective, and she decided not to kind of have a vendetta against the Glee Club anymore, at least for yeah. now. And then he, well, at least until season three. Yeah, <laughs> at least for then. I guess there's a truce now, a truce at that point. She calls a truce, and then she actually says she's beginning to run, because she wants to run for politics, to run for some state senate seat or something because of the 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 uh, to better conditions for um 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot that plot line starts in this episode. Yeah, so that, that's what I I forgotten that too. But it starts right here. That's why that 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 begins her whole arc of running for politics stuff. That's so. right. So wow. Yep. It's funny how a little thing can kind of blossom into a big arc. I think, but you know, yeah, looking back, that's where it started. Well, I'm sure they had that in mind. I'm guessing they had some ideas of season three arcs started when they were ending season two. Yeah. Um, I think season the season two ender, it kind of lends, I don't know, it lends itself nicely to season three opener, um, or they fit together very nicely. It, it's a nice, it's a good transition. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to see, just to, just to flash forward way back to the, like, the, the end of the series, how uh, now she's going to vote. I think she's vice president, and she's going to run for president or something. Yeah. yeah. No, it was 2020 that she won. Yeah. Yeah, and Jeb yeah. Bush was the president yeah. and the vice president. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, granted, in this election cycle, that Jeb, I would take Jeb Bush and, and <laughs> Sylvester over Donald Trump, but that's just me. Yeah. So I won't get into politics any more than that. Yeah. <laughs> They seem like the same duo currently, uh, as opposed to what we currently have in front of us. <laughs> Glee is less ridiculous than real life. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, moving on to New York, uh, which is our season finale. And um, I'm not a whole huge fan of a lot of the season finales. Um, this one's kind of in the middle for me in terms of regular episodes, but I do think there's a lot of good things here, and I do think that it wraps up the storylines told in season two pretty well. Mm-hmm. So, and this, I believe, because we open up in New York City, and um, Rhapsody in Blue, Rhapsody in Blue, uh, Gershwin here, and um, they shut down Times Square. Yeah, I yelled at somebody. I yelled at somebody for not knowing Rhapsody in Blue. Like I was singing it and. They didn't know what song it was. So I'm like, how could you not know that song? Oh. It's like the best song. Speaking of Gershwin, if you ever want something horrifying, um, uh, I shouldn't say this, but like uh, Willie Nelson has a new CD out that is he sings Gershwin. Willie Nelson? Huh. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, I've got rhythm, I've got Oh my goodness. Music. Oh You're my like, god, gross. <laughs> yeah, he's the last he's the last person I would associate with Rhapsody in Blue. Goodness. <laughs> Not that you sing Rhapsody in Blue, but like uh, um uh oh my gosh, like um my company decided to post that as an in store play and so we didn't we, we have choices, we don't have to listen to it, but whenever we wanted customers to leave at the end of the day <laughs> we would do <play> that. <laughs> oh. Uh-huh. Oh, wait a minute. We never push our customers out the door. Man, don't take this to my bosses. I'll get in real a lot of trouble. <laughs> but that's more like a repellent. <laughs> and so. Before we get into the episode in detail, I just wanted to mention something overall. And I guess this has to do with the fandom at the time, too. But I remember right before this episode, this is when Glee was really, you know, the hot topic on everybody's mm-hmm. minds. And I remember, this. I think this was the first episode they shot on location. They went all to New York. And I, I remember it just being a huge deal. I mean, there was like a, like they're everybody recording it. I mean, mm-hmm. 
in places were shut down. I think the mayor even came and came at one point and you know welcomed the cast and crew and everything. It was. A, I just remember there was a big to do about this whole episode. Oh yeah, I remember. This was really the height of the Glee mania. Yeah. Going the Glee live tour was the yeah, summer. Um, so, uh, looking at the ratings, interestingly, um, when you look at the ratings, their highest, I think the highest was the Super Bowl, but um, after that was original song era. Right after original song, and there was a hiatus, but um, two million people stopped watching after original song, and they never got that back. Um, and we, we talked about it a little bit, oh gosh, on one of the episodes, I don't remember, I don't think it was the original song episode, actually. No, it was, but, it was the episode that, I think it was, um, the, the last episode, where I guess I was discussing that, I forgot which one, but yeah, we were talking about that, that big drop-off. Yeah. yeah. How the show probably just became too gay for two million people, <laughs> um, which is unfortunate, they missed some really awesome stuff. Uh-huh. But that even with that two million drop, they were still doing very well, and they were still a very hot commodity at the time. Yeah, I, they didn't start losing steam until about midway through season three. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this this episode being um, filmed in New York was this huge thing, and it was the most expensive uh, episode I believed that they ever did. Was probably because they had just shut down Central Park and Times Square and. Um, I can't even imagine having to shut down Times yeah. Square. Oh, that was a big production, yes. Oof. I mean, because they went back to New York multiple times, but never with the kind of... I mean, it was so crazy, but never with the amount of, like, did, you know, they didn't ever shut down yeah. Times Square again. I, and I remember within the fandom, it was a really big deal because, I guess, the, you know, it was it was a It was just a hike when Darren was getting really popular, too, with Blaine and everything, and and he, how he, when Darren was in New York and everybody was like, oh, it's Blaine in the episode, and we were all trying to figure out whether he was in the episode or not, and things, and that was really, that was the focus of a lot of the chatter and speculation, so. Yeah, I, I miss Blaine a little bit in, in these later season two episodes, because he's not in it very much. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, but, but when, he's in it this episode. Yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah. And boy, did he make an impact. So. <laughs> so. Um, yeah. Well, uh, starting at the beginning, though, yeah. we have kids sitting in Times Square. And uh, you know what's funny to me, especially in retrospect about this? They are all kind of, like, excited and happy to be there and joking around. And Sam is just like, eh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sam is being Sam. It's a little unintentional foreshadowing there that he just doesn't care about New York that much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just another place. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it. the thing that... I've been to New York many times. I love New York. I think it's one of my favorite places. But at the end of the day, it is another place. And I kind of like that Glee kind of touches upon that when they get back into season six. Mm-hmm. That you can go home again. That Lima is not the worst place in the world to, you know, live yeah. That um, you know, New York isn't the best place ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, you know, here are these kids who've never been in a large city, and it's a just you know huge thing for them, mm-hmm. and especially for the ones who want you know their massive Broadway careers. It, it's got to be incredibly inspiring just to be there on a school trip. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. And especially with Rachel and Kurt, who, like, New York is held up as their their dream place. Because I, re- yeah. I remember, like, I was in the same place. I wasn't, like, looking for a Broadway career, but I was all throughout middle school and high school. If you ask me, it's like, I'm going to live in New York when I grow up. Mm-hmm. Like, that was, like, my dream. So I, I see myself in them and, like, First time I was in New York, I remember that, and Mm -hmm. and every time visiting New York, being it's like it feels like a magical place, even though it's you know just another place. Yeah, there's magic that you don't get. It's kind of fun, like uh, for people that have never been there, maybe um, there is a part of the city like Times Square that is this kind of crazy like spectacle of lights and people and insanity and then there's the rest of New York (laughs) which is kind of like every other town that you've been in like if you've been to a big city New York there's more of it Um, but the quirkiness of of New York is really about those little like hole in the wall restaurants and bars and clubs and theater places and not so much necessarily the touristy attractions that people like go to the Empire State Building and Statue of Liberty those things are amazing and if you're a first time you know traveler to New York, yes, definitely go see them. But if you get a chance to stay for a while, um, there are a lot of little things about New York that I, I is what I think is really cool about mm-hmm. the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've had the luxury of getting to uh, spend time with um, people that I know that are there um, and experience some of these quieter little things in New York. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think it's funny that, like the things that they do, like what Kurt and Rachel do, like they go and have breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. <laughs> That's adorable. Like, yeah. And it, it, it makes sense because, like, coming from a small town and now I live in a big city where, like, in the, the building that I work, it's above the mall where there is a Tiffany's mm-hmm. <laughs> and a Versace's. And it's like, this is my life now. Like, yeah. like that's weird because, yeah. like, growing up, having a – it was a big deal when, like – um what what moved into our, our mall like oh when we first got an anthropology it was like whoa we're like high class now yeah. in our mall or yep. you gotta yeah <laughs> yeah well and look I think that you know these kids have only seen New York through uh, movies mm-hmm. and I think that kind of paints a different picture but when you get to see like the first time you can go see the Empire State Building that is kind of crazy and like I said Times Square if you've never been there um, I'm told that new real New Yorkers steer clear of it yeah, yeah. yeah. never go to, to Times Square it's all tourists yeah um, but it is something to see when you first get because it is kind of an insane a place really just like it, it is unlike anywhere I've ever seen in, in the country yeah um, so I'm just impressed that they're able to clear it out for this episode on I mean, the scenes in that I know yeah. I bet they only had, like, a couple of takes, too. Yeah. They're like, you know, get in and get out. Because yeah, it's the middle of the day. It's not like they were shooting at night. Oh, or no. I think Times been... Square, like, most... The cars and stuff mostly avoid that, too. Other yeah. than taxis. And I think there are a couple of buses that go through there. But yeah. it's mostly, like, tourist cars and taxis yeah. that go through there. So, like, I don't think clearing it out would be that hard for... Like, I mean, they... They do it for, um, for New Year's. So like, yeah. 
I'm, I'm sure they do it for different things throughout the year, too. I'm sure that the city has, um, they probably have so many movies that shoot there. They yeah. probably, um, mm-hmm. gosh, what is it, orders or like a, a they already know how to, what to do yeah. like, if it comes in. They have like steps that they know that they need to take and work so. You know what stood out to me with this background of the scene is that I, that how this, how this episode again in Kepley calculate this time period like you could see what Broadway shows were playing this year mm-hmm. and then yeah. from the billboards on the back you know yep. like uh, how to succeed without really trying and you know and other other I, I look for that now like when I'm watching um shows that are set in New York oh, yeah. and, and film in New York like in Ghostbusters daring Chris's eyes as yeah. Hedwig are in one yeah scene. Oh, I know <laughs> that's cool <laughs> So like I, I look like what what posters do they have whenever I see a show that ha- that's set in New York now? Oh, that's mm-hmm. neat. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> kind of time thing. Yeah, it's a, it's so, a perfect time capsule sort of. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and getting into the episode a little bit more, um, they have Kurt's um. So he wants to sing New York, New York, um, which is adorable because he does start singing. And Finn's like, let's go write our our songs. And and here we go into my next diatribe, which I'm sure everybody's my rants, but we're going to have another one. Um, you don't write your songs the day before the competition. or no. the days, duh. Okay, <laughs> let me, just for any aspiring people who are, if you know, you're 13 and you probably aren't listening to this because we're old fogies here, but... Um, and you're going into show choir, and you think that you're, you know, you're just gonna write some original songs and then go out there and perform them. No, I'm sorry. No. First of all, don't like original songs don't succeed really well. I mean, in in competition, yeah. Unless you they're they're supported by actual like musicians, like professional musicians and arrangers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And these kids aren't. I mean, there is. I think that if you were a professional a cappella group who wrote, you know, had actually spent some time writing a good song or, you know, were, they could probably come up with a, a good ditty right on the spot if they had practiced well, that kind of thing. Well, but these are teenagers. Yeah. And even with that, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't do an original song because they're just not, you know, yeah. Well, I think and it's were, enjoyable by people because, like, when you w- judges and people who go to these kind of concerts, they go to like see hear hear songs that they already know. I mean, yeah. it's it's one thing having an arrangement or as they call it mashups um, mm-hmm. here, um, where you have like you you start a song and then you like go into other songs and like. So that's different. You can do it. You can express your musicality really well, like doing that kind of thing. Um, and that's an original, quote unquote, original song. But you don't bring in like brand new songs that nobody has heard before because like they're just they're they're not as competitive. Yeah. Well, I think and I think they were bullied by their success from regionals. They say, hey, it worked once before. Yeah. It probably could work again. Yeah. But, it, it but I had that same issue in original song, too. Yeah. And, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Like, and, and interestingly, I you know, I was not in show choir in, col- in high school, 
Um, I was in regular choir, but we just didn't do competitions. But um, a lot of times you have, in these kind of competitions, you have a certain, you're required to do songs of a certain style or a certain genre or a certain whatever. You, know, you have guidelines that you have to follow. And I know they joke about the guidelines or, you know, mm-hmm. we want something retro this year. Um, what does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. It's <laughs> but, <laughs> but you usually, you know, original songs, usually because they're not on a pre-approved list, um, probably wouldn't, you'd be disqualified anyway. Mm-hmm. So, but Glee's competition, the way it does its competitions do, does not make any sense yeah. most it of the is. time. Anyway, yeah, so. it's Glee. <laughs> So. Yeah. Anyway, um, and the last thing about this scene, because we're still on scene one, uh, is I, I do have to mention the, the everybody's favorite line about um, uh, Rachel getting cats tickets. Oh. And, and <laughs> yep. Yeah. And and turns out cat is cats coming back now. I guess. I is it? Yeah, I, I think it back. is. Yeah. Bad idea, but yeah, it's coming back. Oh gosh. Hmm. <sighs> It was it was for a period of time the longest running show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it it's culturally significant show. Mm-hmm. Um. But I don't know. She's obsessed with Broadway and she doesn't know that it was closed. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's that's what and it's been it. closed like for like a decade by that point. Yeah, I know. Um, that's weird. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. And, and why is, does Quinn, of all people, have the line to tell her that it's been closed? <laughs> it just seems I know, un- like too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, her um, should have had that line. Or I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, anyway, moving on. Um, we have, um, God, one of, not one of Will's brightest moments. My cup. He decides. Oh, what? Is this my cup? <laughs> yeah, I'm getting into that. But hold oh, on a second. Oh. Before I get into that. Just the fact that he says, okay, guys, I've got to do a thing. Here's, you know, just stay here in this hotel room for the next 12 hours and pound out a song. You leave, what, 12, 13 teenagers in a hotel room <laughs> unattended for 12 hours? Yeah, what do you think it's yeah. going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> I just can't even. The fact that they are as well-behaved as they are is kind of amazing. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. I mean, these are the most well-behaved teenage kids, I, and Puck's even well-behaved. I mean, in this episode, that's shocking. <laughs> even if they, if Puck and Lauren did try and order a Manhattan, I know that's that's the like the entirety of their their rebellion. Yep. <laughs> so, um, and Kurt is so excited about getting the ahi tartar and steak sandwich at three a.m. Mm. <laughs> because I claim. <laughs> know what that was it's tuna by the way um and i'm like oh god kurt what are you eating yeah. okay <laughs> i know it's some he, fancy it's, food. it's it's uh room service getting room service yeah yeah for the first time is so much fun later when you're older and you have to pay for it and it's crappy food yeah. from the the hotel restaurant which is crappy food to begin with and it's usually cold because like it takes forever to get up there <laughs> sorry mm-hmm. bad experience with room service <laughs> no it's funny I'm, i mean not that your experience was funny i'm, I'm sorry you had that bad experience <laughs> but it's it's funny that you know i'm glad that they showed the you know the, the teenage oh we were doing this for the first time and yeah the yeah it's adorable 
questionable food at 3 a.m. in the morning if you want. Um, but it sounds but fancy. <laughs> it does sound fancy. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, we um, we get our first original song, which is a personal favorite of mine. It's a good song. <laughs> my cup, my cup, my cup. Oh, God. In other words, da, 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 my cup, my yeah. cup. And here's my other thing. They composed that without the rest of the Glee Club hearing it. I mean, <laughs> what were they all doing? You know, I don't know. And why weren't more people into that? Except for um, I, Brittany and, and um, Artie. Artie, yeah. And Puck was doing the guitar. Yeah. And they were broken up then, right? Like, yes, I think so. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. They were. Um, Naya Rivera breaks character. <laughs> and at one point, they're doing some reaction shots, and it's definitely uh, you can because you can tell because she's hiding it behind her hand, mm-hmm. but. Uh, she starts just breaking out laughing. Yeah. I wonder if those three, like, went off and ran, like, created it on their own and brought it in if they didn't, like, tell the rest of them about it. Like, probably, probably to get a reaction then. To get well, I'm, I'm guessing they they didn't write it themselves, but I'm guessing that they didn't play it for the rest of the kids. Um, yeah. I'm guessing the rest of the actors came in not knowing what the song was going to be, because then you can get some genuine, but um, I don't know. I don't know who has actual writing credits on that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe and Ian, Rachel. Brennan, maybe. Probably. I don't probably. think it's even, like, that much produced of a song that it even has oh, no. writing credits. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm sure it was, like, here are the lyrics, sing it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and Rachel's sitting there being judgy, and I'm like, how can you be judgy when you wrote my headband? I know, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, you wrote my headband, how can you judge? Exactly. I, I love it. Was it in, um, 100 or New Directions when they were, like, saying all their favorite songs that they sang, and Brittany was like, my headband! Yeah. <laughs> like, she wasn't even there to hear it. Well, I'm sure uh, Rachel sang that a lot. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, surprised, I, I'm, pre- I'm surprised no one mentioned Helton and No, which Mercedes sang before. Uh, yeah, that was a fun one though. People like that one. Yeah. Though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Quinn, who is you know beginning her, re- there was supposed to be some kind of plot where Quinn was going to sabotage the Glee Club, um, set up the funeral, but she doesn't really do anything. This is kind of the closest thing, where she's like, let's go out and experience New York. And they run around and sing a song. Um, It's delightful. A nice little tour of New York City here with um, uh, Central Park and uh, Rockefeller Center. and That was another mashup, right? Between New York and I Love New York or something. New York, New York, and I Love New York. Yeah. Oh, and she was also about to turn Rachel and Curtis. Oh, that happens later in the episode. That happens later, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but yeah, she was, she was kind of wanting to sabotage everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they don't really do anything crazy except for running around the, the singing, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a little crazy. I, I'm sure if you, you really, if you did this in Central Park, you, I, I don't know, like... I don't know. I remember I was sitting on the subway once, though, and some guy just busts out singing something. Uh-huh. But kind of, you kind of expect that on the subway. I don't know. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think that was an excuse to just to show off different things in New York. I guess. Right. I, I guess they yeah. were. Yeah. They yeah. must have had a high budget for this. 
Yeah. They, yeah, they did. And like I said, this is the most expensive episode of Glee. Yeah. Um, so. Well, yep, it's expensive to shut down all these places, I'm sure. Exactly. Yep. Um, it's a nice song, it's, you know. Yeah. I also heard, I don't know who said, it was in some review or somebody on, on Tumblr said, like, if you were really in New York and you were dancing around on that fountain, somebody would want to kick you, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just stop being loud and go on with your day. Yep. Um, but it's a nice little montage here. Yeah. So. Um, okay, so we get back into the room. And, you know, here's what, here's what I think is really entertaining about this next sequence, okay? You have, um, in the boys' room, you have Finn talking to the guys about his feelings mm-hmm. for a girl, okay? Right. But they're talking about emotions and feelings. And in the other room, you have a pillow fight. Uh-huh. The girls. Yeah. Which, so I, I like the, the um, what's the word, that they play, you know, you would expect the girls to be sta- talking yeah. around about boys or whatever, the guys to be screwing around, but they flipped that, and I think that's very funny. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what made it even funnier, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Kurt's in the girls' room, because they split things by sexuality, not gender. Yeah. <laughs> and also, he gets along with the girls better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, there's that line at the beginning when Will is checking them in, and he's like, the girl woman's like, most show choirs do it by sexuality, not gender. <laughs> so, though it makes you wonder, like, would Blaine, he'd probably still stay with the boys. Yeah. 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 Oh. All right. So, okay, I think this is where we were skipping over a ton at this point, um, because... Rachel goes on her date with Finn. Oh, okay. I love that they sang that because I love Lady yeah. and the Tramp so much. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a that was a sweet serenade. But I have to say that that scene in particular, going back and seeing that scene, especially now that whole sequence, that hit me in the heart because mm-hmm. considering what happened and you know how Rachel kind of revisited that in in season five. The first episode, uh, after everything been passed away and everything, that was very um, poignant to me. Mm-hmm. Just to see this in that context now. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the boys following them around with the accordion. Yeah. And it's so cute. And then uh, they go to Sardis and, and Rachel meets Patty. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I remember okay. that. <laughs> So, yeah, we get the next day, and Kurt's up rather early, because um, I can't imagine how long it took him to do his hair. Um, <laughs> it is standing straight up. My God. Um, and he, he, I mean, the girls just look hilarious. If you if you notice, they pan at the beginning of the scene, yeah. and they're all, like, draped <laughs> over everything. Nobody is actually on the bed except for Rachel. Yeah, they're just knocked out. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And and we get the the infamous um, breakfast at Tiffany's scene, and they look fabulous, Kurt and they yeah, do. they do. And I think this is the first time we actually get to see them, I guess talk. Well, we've heard them talk about their plans before, but the first conversation they actually have of wanting to, you know, their plans of being in New York, with 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 uh, and Rachel mentions Finn. 
mean, because she assumes that Finn will come too, and then Kurt mentions Blaine, and they kind of make this little pact kind of thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, Rachel's all conflicted because Finn is kind of a small town boy, and and I love Kurt's like, well, bring him along, he can carry stuff. Um, <laughs> but I kind of love that Kurt says, yep, Blaine's in, you know, in too. Like, yeah. You know, what? he probably texted Blaine last night, and Blaine's like, yep, I'm going to New York too. Yeah. And <laughs> I think you're probably that. talking about it, like, when, because Kurt was probably talking about his trip to New York, like, for weeks mm-hmm. before it happened, and Blaine was there, like, yeah, yeah, totally. And then it, like, snowballed in, we're, let's move there, and, like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, forever. Well, yeah, and let's think about this for a second, you know, uh, getting a little into claim here. That these little goobers have been dating for what? Since March, and this is May, yeah. so for And they're already forever. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, you know, exactly. But they're already talking about, you know, the rest of their lives. And and really, when you take a step back and you're like, oh, teenagers. Um, yeah. and, I, and you do have to do that a little bit. You're like, oh, they're, oh, they're adorable. But I, I do think, uh, coming from, you know, the... The other side of things where I just I kind of like this love story uh, it is it's kind of neat to see like all right they're on the same page here about moving yeah. now granted take them a while to figure out the mess of the reality of New York City yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. well if you see how uh, that kind of foreshadow it kind of sets everything up for like seasons three through five for them I mean they go through so many highs and lows and you know that 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 the whole vision of what they think that they wanted you know, they have, it takes them a while to get there, but they get there, but there's lots of things in between that happen. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and and that's the interesting thing about the scene and the sequence. Um, we'll get into the for good part of it in a second, but um, that this is part of the fairy tale of Hummelberry that mm-hmm. kind of gets mm-hmm. distorted along the way, too. I mean, we, I, I often, I personally often talk about fairy tale imagery in the claim story because uh-huh. I'm writing thesis apparently on it and um and that this is kind of part of the fairy tale that they're here they're eating breakfast like, you know like adult like they're dressed like these adult. adults eating bagels and real new york coffee which i'm sure <laughs> and and they are living like adults but they're not yet they're they're still i mean they're on a school trip and and they're still kind of it's not the reality of actually living there yet they're pretending so everything Huh? They're pretending to be adults. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So, And I, uh, I think it also, you mentioned Hummelberry. I think it also comes out with, you could, all, you could also apply the same thing to Finchel, I guess, in season three and four, I guess, when they were trying to work it out. And But how Rachel has this kind of uh, dream about it. I mean, she's conflicted, but... And she goes through all this in season three and then four, and they try to sort things out. And it kind of sets up, sets up, sets it up for things to come, you know. And this, speaking of Humbleberry, I because everybody knows I have a love hate relationship with Humbleberry. <laughs> um, <laughs> that I, I do like these kind of scenes. I like when they're on the same page and they are supporting each other and they're kind of ambitious together and yeah. you know it's not where Rachel is having a crisis and Kurt has to prop her up um, it has to do with the two of them kind of 
really, this is the real birth of Hummelberry, even though yeah. there's been little stuff all throughout the season, um, where they, they really bond because they have come here and they have this similar ambition to be on Broadway. And they're both kind of realizing that this New York, this, this world is where they want to be. So I, I do really like this sequence. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. And then they break into the theater. Break into mm-hmm. the theater. Um, just as an FYI, guys, uh, don't break into uh, Broadway theaters. They will ban you for life. <laughs> um, there won't be a nice guard who lets you sing for 15 oh, minutes. It just, it won't. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. To dash any hopeful dreams, but please do not no. do that. There's However, so expensive stuff there, equipment. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, oh shoot, what was my thought? I don't remember. Gosh. Fail. <laughs> um, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, it takes balls for them to do it, though. Yeah, uh, oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I think it's hilarious that uh, Rachel and Kurt have these rebellious moments every once in a while. Um, they don't really do much. I mean, it's not like they're, you know, going out and murdering people or something, but like this. And then when in season five, they're like, we're going to drink a one sip of limoncello and, mm-hmm. and get a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're so horrible at being rebellious teenagers, but it's funny when they are. Yeah. And I like how with Humbleberry, I mean, if you think about it, if, uh, the, the, the theme of Wicked, it kind of permeates throughout. Like at first, you see when back in season one, you see them competing against each other. They both both use Defying Gravity for you know their solo, and now they use Wicked, you know, for good. You know, now w- Wicked is being used again for, like for coming together as friendship. And then right. I guess, and then you see going on to like uh, season six when you see two thousand nine. They use the popular, uh, popular again, so they go back to they go back to using Wicked. So I think it's neat that can you kind of associated Wicked with Humbleberry. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and they, they, you could talk uh, much about which one of them gets to be which which. Yeah. Um, both of them switching roles at various points in time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's this particular one. I, I'm honestly not as familiar with Wicked as a lot of other people are, so I don't know which part is which. Yeah. Um, I'm not as familiar with it either. But I do know that mm. it's interesting that these lines are um, they are singing uh, because I know you, because I knew you, I've been changed for the good, and I do think that each of these characters are changed for the good for knowing the other one. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Yeah, I, I yeah. feel that, like, Kurt really got pushed by Rachel. I don't know if he would have ended up in New York mm-hmm. if yeah. he had as successful if he didn't have, like, the drive of Rachel, like, to kind of push himself against. Right. Because right. Blaine isn't competitive in that way. And, I mean, even if he had gone and he had met Blaine... Me, you know, where he, who knows where he might have ended up, because I, I think you're right. I think that one of the things that Rachel does for him is pushes him to be competitive and to really fight for what he wants out of life. Yeah. And on, the other, on the other hand, I think that Kurt really pushes Rachel, or, or shows, like, brings out the compassion in her. 
And right. Yeah. And I think she, she kind of like hides under under her ambition. She's like, oh, I I can't be compassionate. That's too soft. That like I'll I'll fail if if I let myself, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and um. I, it's interesting. I think that Rachel sees Kurt um, in a way, like, and what I mean, oh, gosh, when back when we were talking about hierography, like, she really sees him and understands him, and she's one of the first people to do that, and that means a lot to him. And in the same respect, she, Kurt's one of the first people to say, "Oh, I like you as a person." Um, I've heard a lot of people talk about, um, like, uh, Kurt knows that. You know, if he fails at whatever his dreams are, he has a family and a support group yeah. um, that will love him anyway. But Rachel has told that her only worth is her talent. Yeah. And um, Kurt is able to give Rachel somebody that will um, be there when she falls. Mm-hmm. So, see, you guys, I don't hate Homo Barry. I really don't. <laughs> and likewise, I guess going back to, I guess, is it duets? I guess yeah. that when they sing... Um, um, get that, happy. That, uh, get get happy, happy. Yeah, that, that. I guess that's another instance of really being there for each other. Like uh, Rachel being there, reaching out to Kurt. So that's yeah. the beginning of it too. So. I I will definitely continue. Hopefully, people will understand the more they listen to these podcasts that my main issue is the writing of season three and season four of how unbalanced it was in the writing, not necessarily the actual friendship. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, so, yeah they, they sing for good, and this is, um, it's a gorgeous song. It's gorgeously, you know, choreographed and visually, like, the, the beating on the Wicked, like, stage, and um, their voices mesh so well together. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the ending, especially when Rachel's singing in the stratosphere and, and Kurt's singing the, the lower part, but I, I, I'm always very moved by this, this song. Yeah, me too. And, uh, and I, I love how they use the backdrop of the stage for their song, too. I mm-hmm. mean, there's something very magical in that, too, so... Yeah. yeah. And I think... Also, um, this being such a big moment for them, it's not just about Rachel thinking, you know, this is my love uh, and I have to follow it. It's Kurt's kind of realizing his ambitions, too. I mean, mm-hmm. they are singing on a Broadway stage and realizing what they want to do for the rest of their life. And that can be a very powerful thing when you find that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at your post for this. Mm-hmm. And there's this picture of Kurt looking like stunned, and Rachel looking at Kurt like proud almost at him. It's like, welcome to my world. Yeah. Kind of like, it's, she, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's I think another thing about the Hummelberry, like, that she pushes him, she's like really the only one that sees him as. Like she, she sees him as competition and as an equal, and and all of this um, as a performer, whereas other people dismiss him as a performer. Other people right. being Will, um, <laughs> or like even Jesse in the yeah. last episode, where yeah. you know doesn't recognize, you know, hey, this guy can sing girl songs. That's kind of amazing. Like, what can he do? But he dismisses it as you know this controversial go away. 
Yeah. And and if you hear that enough, like you start to believe it yourself. And I'm I'm sure that like Kurt, in he he fights against it, but like somewhat he believes it himself. But but Rachel like sees him as competition and sees him as like as good as as she is, and like just that mm-hmm. kind of counters that and and makes him feel like yes, I can do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I really like y- your commentary about on how they they push each other in in that way, and I think it's really cool. Kind of since we're at the end of season two, I'll, I'll bring this all ahead that you can have all of these different people in your life for different reasons. I mean, Rachel does different things for him than Blaine does, who does different things than Mercedes, than his dad, than other people that come into his life. I, I feel like. A lot of times on in TV shows or fandoms get so caught up in one dynamic of a, a character and whatever, whether it be a relationship or a friendship or whatever, that they lose sight that like for with with Kurt and later with Blaine when in season four and whatever, um, that these characters have other people in your, in their lives just like in real life you surround yourself with different people for different reasons mm-hmm. and I've, I've found that kind of cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I love that. Like I when I look for fan fiction, like, some of the favorite fan fiction isn't, like, romance. It's more about, like, friendships. Yeah. Like, I love mm-hmm. find, especially, like, if you find, like, rare friendships. Like, I like reading, I I found a couple, I lost them, don't know them now, so I couldn't quote them, cite them to you, but, like, um, Blaine and Brittany mm-hmm. friendship, and, like, just, like, little cute like not cute, but um, just different dynamics between different, mm-hmm. and and mm. not just focusing on like shipping different people, like having yeah. multiple ships. It's it's not yeah. about that. It's about like seeing how different people react to different people and how how people are changed by different people. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and I like that. Um, um, I think you brought up a good point because um, I've been wondering, you know, looking back on fandom and things, I'm wondering if, because people were so focused on shipping at that point, I guess more in season three when we jumped forward, but mm-hmm. I guess since we were since we were so focused on seeing the shipping in season three, whether we were just, you know, had such a... Uh, kind of a one-track mind and stuff, so what we all wanted to see was about shipping in because we didn't see it on screen, so that's what we were looking at in, in fan fiction, so that's why everything else kind of took a back seat. Yeah, so yeah, probably. I think, I think maybe that's why, but yeah, I'm with you. I like to see the, the, the fan fiction with the friendships and just focusing on friendships rather than fully focused on um, romantic relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, Blaine is my, my favorite character, I have to say. Well, no, Tina is my favorite. Oh. Mm-hmm. They're both. Um, and, like, a lot of the, the fan fiction I look for is, like, I, I like reading about Blam, but not, like, the romantic side of Blam. Yeah. I mean, there there's fanfic about, like, shipping Blam, but, like, their friendship starting in, in season four was so so great having like yeah. a um buddy buddy friendship that like yeah. 
yeah, like yeah. that. And um, so and and I think um, a lot of season four, which was my favorite season, was about friendships more than like relationships. Yeah, and, and that's why I like season four also because it focused on more on the supportive aspect rather than the romantic stuff. Yeah, and like. You had Marley, Kitty, and and Unique, which Mm -hmm. was a great uh, trio and dynamic between them. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I mean, you had that in the earlier seasons too with the the originals. Um, But like, it was a lot more turbulent, I guess. Yeah. All right, jumping back in. Sorry about that, guys. That's okay. Um, (laughs) No, I was listening to. I got to hear most of that, which you know, and I agree with, and I think. I, you know, I understand there are times when you're like, I just want a Kurt and Blaine story because I really love to yeah. read about the dynamic of the yeah. relationship. But I feel like if you're going to write this, like, 100,000-word WIP, um, work in progress, uh, yeah, if you want to flush these characters out, make sure that they're using that sort of roles. Make sure, you know, they're not, you know, the sum of their relationship. They they yeah. have all of whether it be just a little tiny thing between Kurt and Santana or exploring other friendships, but it's just, to me, these characters feel real when they have all of these other dynamics going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, if you look at, at Blaine, he didn't really, like, get that much until season four. All of season three, he was, and, and two, he was, um, his role was to be the companion of Kurt, and yeah. um, perform, sing. Yep. <laughs> and that's why I don't fault season four for, you know, I know a lot of people don't like season four, um, but I, I really, I think there are some really good things in it. Um, mm-hmm. and I enjoy most of it. Um, my, my bigger problem being a Kurt fan is that Kurt gets to, like, in this bubble with Rachel and is not ever let out. Yeah. And, and doesn't really get to exist outside of this little loft bubble, um, which is unfortunately where Blaine was in earlier seasons. Um, so. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like role reversal in a way. Yeah. Which is why at season five, when they both kind of have, get storylines, then I get really excited. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not that yeah. I don't. I mean, there's a lot of things in season three and season four that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. So, well, I really wish that they had explored the Vogue more and like, oh yeah, and yeah. that out more. And mm-hmm. so, um, but uh, coming back to season two, um, <laughs> back to New York. Uh, um, the the thing about this season though, um, and. I, I'm, I promise I'm not skipping over the like last 20 minutes of this episode. Um, is that it? Really, it, it's strong writing. There is a there are a lot of really good arcs in it. Kurt has a fantastic arc mm-hmm. in it, and it all kind of concludes up in this general, you know, uh, singing for good and kind of realizing his Broadway's dreams. I mean, when you look at the beginning um, of, of the season when he's lonely and depressed and getting bullied and yeah. you know he blossoms throughout the season and here he is on the stage realizing his dreams and 
realizing, and we'll talk more about it when we get to the last claim scene. Yeah, you know, he that, says you know, he says something in that scene that's really remarkable, I think. But I'll wait till we get to that scene. Yeah, it's really cool in this episode that he smiles so much and looks so happy, yeah. like mm-hmm. he's just radiating and happy. And if you think of like the beginning of the season, if you think of where he was like belligerent to Will and Brittany um Brittany Brittany and he mm-hmm. he snapped and he he sang like rebelliously sang um and played uh Victor Victoria. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and he he didn't smile at all until Blaine, but <laughs> mm-hmm. um but yeah. he he was in a very like you saw the loneliness, you saw yeah. the like, unhappiness, yeah. and like I think again talking about Hummelberry, but like the and and the get happy, like she she made a comment where she like said you look so lonely, like yeah, yeah. and oh. and and to see like the progression from that Kurt over the season where he, he, what did he do? He, he got bullied and, um, assaulted and, Mm -hmm. um, ran away from that to, to Dalton and then found that Dalton was not what he needed. It was hiding and it was like, it felt stifling to him because, not because of the protectiveness, but just because couldn't express himself as him and, and realizing that like yes I get backlash for like expressing myself as myself that's the most important part of it to me is mm-hmm. being myself so he came back in in a blaze of glory with yeah. like boys on his shirt and <laughs> and then came back and uh one one sectionals or regionals with his team and went on and is now in New York and he's like, well, what is next for Kurt Hummel? Where, where do I go from here? Where like, he's feeling empowered and happy and, and loved and he's no longer lonely and he has friends and he has a boyfriend and he's now in New York and he's just happy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And And that's, the the thing that I think is so awesome about this arc, um, in general, just that it moves and it, it's such a realized. I mean, yeah, there are issues. Well, to, but any, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, two things I wanted to point out and perhaps piggyback off what you said is, um, well, um, two of the things that I stood out for me in thinking about this entire or Kurt's entire arc this season. Was a is because it was um it's very personal for Ryan Murphy because that's some of his story was kind of reflected in that and also if you think you know at the time Lee was doing it that's at that 2010 I guess 11 ish but yeah bullying and LG you know and LGBT issues and teenagers were really a hot topic then that was when yeah. that was when everybody was uh, these cases were getting in the news about how these teens were suicidal because of this and how they were bullied. You would see these all over, these news articles. And so, what Glee 
did, I think, did really well is trying to take some of these issues that were going on at the time and really incorporate them into the storyline. And I think that's why they seized upon that and used it for current storyline to to show these teenagers that were experiencing this in real life that, you know, yeah, these I can show them these arcs where the character was really down low and and experience all these things in bullying and how he how he could how he could finally eventually find empowerment and you know and be himself and eventually lead to a fulfilled you know happy storyline and how there is hope you know mm-hmm. and to give people hope when where there was was none and they felt really alone and isolated so I think that was the reason for partly that they delved so deeply into the current storyline that season was because bullying was such a big issue. I mean, it is still a big issue right now, but back in, two, was, back in 2011, I mean, it was really in the news. They had really big cases that were, you know, popping up all the time and everything. Well, so. yeah, I think that this is the year that Chris won most inspirational person. Yeah. Won it. Times top 100 inspirational people. And it's not just because he's an amazing actor, which he is. Um, It's the fact that here is this kid who is a gay kid who was bullied in high school and had the Cinderella story of coming on this TV show and playing this iconic gay character and coming out the other side and and being this remarkable young man. Exactly. And um, it was a poster for... um, you know, in, in inspiration. So I, I am not. I, I Chris deserved all of all of what he got, yeah. but just it, it makes so. a lot of sense that in the time period we were in, that the my sentence structure is just gone. I'm sorry, but it makes sense. Everything yeah. kind of coming together all at once. Yep. It makes a lot of sense. Yep. And also, I think that was the year. I think that he also won the golden. Well, yeah, Golden Globe that yeah. year, yeah. So now I will say, I think this year, I think season two, um, and I'll probably delve a little more into this in my my wrap up episode. But um, season two was probably the best writing on the show um, as a whole. Mm. Um, well, season one was really good too. I, I mean, I think they did win some awards for uh, season one too, um, but. Season two, I think, gave Chris the best material to work with. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he was very deserving of that Golden Globe win. Yeah. So, yep. um, going back and wrapping up the Nationals part of it, <laughs> which is like a big chunk of the episode, and I'm going to talk about it in five minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they write their little ditty, um, because uh, Will has a ghost and decides not to be on Broadway. And, um, then, um, they, they sing, they sing, gosh, Rachel and Finn have another duet. Um, which, when they kiss, you know. Yeah, they kiss at the end, which is this big, supposedly romantic moment. Really, it is unprofessional. Don't do that. (laughs) I need that too. (laughs) Uh, Um, and then they sing up Light Up the World. And my thing about, even though Glee, uh, that little app game, Glee Forever, has, has gave me a new appreciation of it um, after playing it a thousand times. <laughs> First of all, it's so auto-tuned that y- you would not believe that these kids are singing this live. Yeah. It's just so bad. Um, my other, like, you have, um, 
You have Britney singing lead on it. I'm yeah. like, why? When there's all of these other people? Um, yeah. um, it's it's okay. I mean, yeah. They're not bad for songs that they wrote the night before. but um, And the choreography is them jumping around. There's no dancing yeah. here. It's just them kind of jumping around. Oh, can I just jump in here and insert, the, oh, yeah. and insert one thing before we go on to talk about their set and stuff? This was oh, also yeah. the app, this was also they resolved the 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 storyline between Sunshine Corazon and Rachel. I mean, they had that little scene in oh, the bathroom. Right. They had that scene in the bathroom where they finally, you know, Sunshine finally kind of confronted Rachel, and she said, "Why did, why did you hate me and all that stuff?" And that was like it's sort of a good good uh, wrap up from season. I guess the first episode in season two, yeah. yeah. Because she, Sunshine really didn't want to sing for, uh, she was thinking about going back to the Philippine embassy to ask them to have their, her visa revoked, but she really didn't want to uh, sing for vocal adrenaline, so. Mm-hmm. And Rachel mm-hmm. encouraged her to just, you know, just, to, Rachel was actually very supportive and encouraged her because she is, she said that, she felt thre- I think she felt threatened by her talent, and that's why she pushed her away. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think that was a good wrap up for that little storyline right there. There's also that little bit of um, Dustin Goolsby. I don't remember where exactly this is. Oh yeah, but where like Will is up. Somebody's up. Yeah, Will is upset, and and um, Goolsby says, "Stop crying. Somebody's gonna think that we're breaking up." <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's funny. I think wasn't he like the wasn't he the director for Vocal Adrenaline that year or some advisor? Or point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and then um, Kurt's adorable. He's kind of dancing around in this background and hopping around when they, they're getting the results. Mm-hmm. And bam, they're twelfth. Well, they don't even show them on this thing. Yeah. Um, so they're not. I guess apparently in this year they have rounds where they move on. Um, they don't do that next year. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> they look so crestfallen. I feel so, yeah. you know, I felt so, so heartbreaking for them. And so then we go into this little coda at the end, which is one of my favorite clean scenes. Oh. Um, they're all my favorite clean scenes. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite clean uh, scenes being one of. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys are going to throw things at me. I'm like, which one isn't your favorite? Uh, I do have a few. Candles is yeah. one of them. Um, <laughs> um, but, there, yeah, there's one in, in oh, way in the future, and I'm going to tease it but not say anything about it, in the backup plan where I'm like, what the frick is going mm-hmm. on? But anyway. Um, so, yeah, they're sitting at this, this little, was it the, this is the lime of bean, right? Yeah, lime of bean. This yeah. was the lime of bean afterwards. And I, first of all, let's talk about Kurt's discussion of um, what happens on the trip. He's talking to Blaine, and he's very happy about, you know, when he gets back, about just chatting away. And I love the little flashback. Oh, yeah, the flashback was funny as heck. So. <laughs> when Santana's, like, jumping after Rachel. <laughs> Cortamala! Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Um, and yeah, and Blaine is like, well, you don't seem upset about it. And he's like, no. You know? Yeah. And, and it's a pretty good year for Kurt Hummel. 
And that's the, that's the line that I thought was pretty remarkable because we just talked about how he went through bullying and all that, you know, the work, you know, how isolated he was at the beginning of the year, how belligerent he was. And just to have to say, and to put all that in perspective and said, you know, you can think about it, Kurt almost had a pretty good year. I mean, that's remarkable for him to say, to have that kind of perspective. And we didn't even mention, uh, you know, Bert having his heart attack. You know, oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. And all this bullying, and he had to transfer schools. And But, you know, when you think about it, yeah, like, he transfers schools, and he starts, you know, he still has all of his friends, and his dad doesn't die, and he meets somebody who he falls in love with, and, and um, it, it, well, he says that line after... But what? Sorry. He has a new brother and a mother. To new brother yeah. and stepmother. Um, he says that line though after Blaine says the "I love you" though, right? Um. Sure yeah, you- I think he does. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, like he he's found somebody yeah, he-, he loves romantically, and so. Yeah. But yeah, let's. We haven't. We we need to talk about Blaine. Let's oh. About- yeah, that's that's where Blaine has his hard eyes times two. I think. Just his look. He just looked like okay. so dreamy-like. <laughs> well, and there's a lot of conversation about Blaine being this person who does these big romantic gestures all the time, where he mm-hmm. has to say what he's feeling in a big way. And here is this small, sweet moment. He's watching this boy who he adores and just goes on and on and knows what he's been through and has helped Blaine through things. And so he just kind of can't just hold it in. And in this very simple moment just says, yeah. I love you. Yeah. And I think that's the most impactful of that. shows that you don't have to have the big gestures and everything. And I think that's the moment when Finn flipped out. I think, aside from the kiss, I think that, because that was the moment that nobody was expecting it. When, to my knowledge, if I could recall, that wasn't spoiled by anybody, you know. So when we saw that scene, we heard him say that, we all were like, what? And then we all freaked out. So, so, yeah. So, but, well, say. and then they see um, Mercedes and Sam, and they come over, and Kurt kind Ooh, of Before does... we get to that, though. Before, what? I'm just going to... Before we get into that, because we will talk about that, I want to talk about Kurt's reaction for a second um, mm-hmm. to Blaine saying I love you, because although I've heard criticism of this scene, and I just want to throw things at people. Um... <laughs> here's my thing. You know, he, like, the audience wasn't expecting it. Kurt wasn't either. And he takes a sip of coffee and he looks like he's going to spit it out. But, like, he was not expecting this boy to say, you know, I, you know they're dating now. They're, mm-hmm. They've been through quite a bit. But for Blaine just to say it in the middle of public, in the middle of, you know, yeah. it's like, whoa. You know, Blaine's usually making these, you know, big gestures. I'm not expecting this. And and that, but he, but Kurt feels the same way. He says, "I love you back," and there's yeah. no, other than being shocked. Yeah, there's nothing controversial about that. I, I know people were like, "Whoa, Kurt's look on his face or something." And I'm like, "That's because he's shocked and what he just heard." Yeah. So. Well, I I was gonna say like when when Sam and Mercedes come over like, re, uh, like just a couple months ago, I saw somebody like doing meta on on his reaction when Blaine's looking away, he kind of, like, jiggles around, like, oh, "Oh my God, oh, my God, kind of reaction. Like, it's very, very subdued, but it's very hurt. Kind of, Mm -hmm. that that goes, it's it's so subdued that it kind of 
it's missed or it's not like it's it's like looked over, but it's it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Next time you can just bonk me in the head when I like try and stomp on your point. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the same with like when uh, during the um, the proposal. Um, I, I've seen a lot of like people, mostly people that don't like Blaine, um, say that that Kurt looks like he's walking into a funeral and that he what when no, he no. says yeah he oh he, boy like, doesn't mean it and like whatever but but still yeah, yeah you gotta take the context reaction that he has there that he has here where it's like he's just very like like overwhelmed that he doesn't jump up and down like like sometimes he does um like when he's excited he jumps up and down but like this is beyond that that's yeah. this is like it is a much bigger thing than his outwardly excitement over little, like, yeah. you know, finding yeah. free cupcake. I mean, yeah. And, yeah. Or, or mini cupcakes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Where he freezes up, he's like, oh my God, oh my God. Like, yeah. And to, to argue that he's not excited, that he's not happy or whatever, it's just not understanding the character of Kurt Hummel, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. No, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I I do think, like we always say, um, context matters. And, and when you're only looking for reasons to hate Blaine, then you're going to read whatever you want yeah. to yeah. in this, you know? Well, something that I admire about both Chris and Darren's portrayal of Kurt and Blaine are they're both, they both are so good at portraying their characters in such subtle expressions. I mean, they don't need to have, like, big... They have big gestures and stuff, but but if you just look at what they're doing in the background, or or well, what am I trying to say? Just I guess the mm-hmm. stuff, the subtlety of their acting is very. They know their character so well, even at this point, that um, I just really admire the the kind of depth that they can bring into it, even with the smallest yeah. expressions and things. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I, I'm. That makes me think of like uh, Darian Chris talking about how he he watched a, a scene um, in Glee and he he noticed that he was out of character because he clapped differently. Like, he didn't clap like Blaine. Like ah, he, okay. he knows that character so well. He knows how Blaine claps versus <laughs> well, you know it's um, fascinating because um, there's this we've seen Darren do it on a few occasions when he. Um, changes himself oh, yeah. to be, like, uh, in those interviews, and he's like, hold on, I can become Blaine, and he becomes Blaine, and it's so fascinating, and mm-hmm. then, I, you know, um, I've never seen Chris do it, but I have seen Chris in person enough times that I'm, like, blown away that Kurt is, just his mannerisms are just different yeah. than what and it's it's amazing and remarkable, but I, I do think, you know, I think they're both pretty consistent mm-hmm. in how they portray their characters, even yeah. right. It, yeah, and on such a, like, deep level that they can do these subtle, like, micro-expressions and have a reaction that isn't, like, jumping up and down to show yeah. that you're excited, that you show you're excited by an, taking a breath or, like, like, choking on your coffee, like... Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or, like, jiggling your foot. 
And um, and just my own headcanon of Kurt's character is that he, you know, there's a surface level of Kurt Hummel excitement, and then there is his feelings that he feels much, much deeper, and he's much more guarded about those kind of things. Um, and how he feels about Blaine is is something that's a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that Blaine feels the same way about him is something that, you know, on the inside, he's just probably, you know, going crazy. Yeah. That's, you're, you know, as you guys have said, you know, he's kind of just stunned. And it's beyond that. It's beyond the, like, service level mini cupcake. Yay! Yeah. Down. It's this very, like, deeper thing that's going on. Because... Before the, I mean, before earlier in the season, you could see like he had. Well, even season one, you could tell him he has crutches and everything. Uh, you know, on Finn first, then Sam, and so. But you know, this is this is you know this is something that strikes him a little bit deeper than that in comparison. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and, and look uh, what these two have been through together. I think yeah. Tom Quinn was very cementing in a way. I think so too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, um, yeah, because, I mean, and even here, like, what they, when they say I love you oh. in season six, it's a, it's a little different mm-hmm. than here. I, I think it's a, a more adultish type thing. I think here they still very are much teenagers kind of experiencing the first time of really falling for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I've always been under the impression of um, love changes as you get older, as, you know, with people, uh, not even romantic love, but just in general, how you love something or how you're attached to it changes over time. Mm -hmm. Um, But here they're kind of at this apex of this just romantic teenage dream love, for lack of better terms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there we go. Um, And then we get Kurt Stein, as we talked about, that he's had a pretty good year. Yeah. Uh, or and and you really I I mean I get people are like what but they could have worded it in a well you know despite this year it ended up pretty well kind of is really what he's saying yeah so, um and let's talk about Sam and and Mercedes yeah. being adorable yeah that Dude. that was really um I think that took people really I mean, that was adorable and I think that really took people by surprise they're like oh there might be something there between you know. mm-hmm. yeah yeah it, it definitely did um uh I think I, I mean they had the adorableness of uh, in prom um in prom queen where like Mercedes said oh I just want somebody to tell me I'm pretty and then ask me mm-hmm. to dance Yep, and we talked about it in the Prom Queen episode that the moment when Sam asks her to dance, maybe it's not that huge moment of curtain blame, but it's still pretty, uh, pretty big and pretty poignant and pretty, you know, remarkable. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, a pretty major moment in its own smaller way. Yeah, and then like it, it kind of it was an awe, awe moment, like when you're you're watching it and you don't know Sam Sadie's is coming up. Like, yeah, isn't that cute? Like, they're friends, blah, blah, blah. Like, but, but it really, like, and then you see this, I don't know. They're holding hands or something. Two episodes removed, like, if you think about that moment and you think about, like, oh, wait, what is this? (laughs) 
Well, and you know what's kind of nice? Because we, we do talk about Mercedes quite a bit on this podcast. And just that, you know, her, she is kind of an arc a little bit in this season. And she kind of, her friendship with Kurt has shifted. They are definitely still friends. But they're not in the same way. Um, but at the beginning, like, Kurt's trying to set her up. And she's able to figure it out on her own. And she gets a boy on her own. And mm-hmm. um, it's mm-hmm. kind of nice her character to have this, this ending moment. Mm-hmm. And and Sam, too, because he had a rough year in the first too. He started with Quinn, and then Quinn cheated on him, and then he was with Santana, Santana. Who, who then wrote cheated a on it, or... like making Well, she cheated on him the whole time with Brittany. Yeah. And Karofsky, uh, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> and what? And Karofsky. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. he's like, that's their breakup off screen. You know, like. <laughs> and, and then the whole, uh, like, Trouty Mouth. Mm. And then, um, yeah, so he's had a rough year, too, of it. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, and his, and his parents, and being homeless and everything, you know, with, oh, his, parents, with his dad. I mean, I yeah, with his dad losing his dad, job yeah. and stuff. That too, and well, then the uncertainty of like at this point he's still homeless too. Yeah. Like, I kind of something I kind of love in this little. I mean, it's so little, but I kind of love that these two couples. You can really see how they work together because you have Kurt and Blaine talking about their summer plans to um, Sam and Mercedes, and and Kurt's talking about his Pippa Middleton play. <laughs> And Blaine's just got, you know, he's like, oh, God, not the Pippa Middleton play again. Yeah. And Mer- and Sam's like, I don't know who that is. And Mercedes's like, it's okay. And she's so sweet to him yeah. that, like, you can tell, like, these couples get each other on different levels. And, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. It's it's sweet. just a weird, subtle thing. But yeah. I, I like the dynamics there. Yeah, yeah, I like it, too. I could see them having, like, like, um... Uh, dinner parties and Sam is like, why the hell am I here at <laughs> party of all places and like just like having fun and mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it makes, it'll, it would be interesting also more so when when Sam and Blaine become more better friends. I, I you know what is really funny in this moment. Here's you know your first really real. This is the first time. No, it's not because of the blame it on the alcohol um, moment that. Blaine and Sam get to, like, have it together. And the pizza yeah. place, because, like, remember, Kurt was with the Warblers. When, oh, right. Yeah. I mean, that's off, key, uh, off screen, but, like, yeah, Blaine knows Sam from, oh, and probably um, Valentine's Day. So they've, they've yeah. met, but they're not really, like, friends, friends, yeah. friends yet. Yeah. But I can imagine the four of them trying to go on some kind of double date and it just being crazy. <laughs> well, this is the first time that Mercedes can go on a date and not be like a third wheel like this she was at the right. beginning. So, uh... But then right, beginning of season two. They, they hide it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Nobody knows about it until the next year. Yeah, because, yeah, well, I don't know how well they are at hiding it because when Sam comes back, they're like, Mercedes, we hear you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I forgot about that. But, but you should down too. She's like, that's just old news. We went out a few times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, but it makes me wonder. It it always made me wonder why like they were hiding it. Was it because like everybody talks about everybody 
in Glee Club, and, like, she doesn't want to be, you know. That could be. I could see Mercedes doing that. Um, maybe because it's a new thing for both of them. Mm-hmm. Even though, if they're going to be subtle, why are they holding hands in public? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. And I love kind of that Kurt and Blaine are in their own little world enough that they don't notice. Yeah. Like, before, maybe if Kurt was alone, he'd probably notice that what was going on. But mm-hmm. they they jump right back into talking about their summer plans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, speaking of summer plans, they're... Um, what? Blaine is doing a Six Flag audition. Yeah. So I can only imagine his summer singing at yeah. theme parks. Bro. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and to wear those, like, full uniform things Ugh. when you do it. It's like, God, how are you not sweating to death? It's July. Yeah. Even in Ohio, it's very hot. Yeah, and, and probably, like, there's there's different skits that you do. So he might be part of, like, a the, the cowboy... The cowboy skit or the like, yeah. So I wonder if they have like a cost, like different costumes, ridiculous mm-hmm. stuff. And I wonder why they mentioned six. First of all, I wonder why you mentioned Six Flags and not Cedar Point because at living near as probably as close to Cedar Point as it is from Lima for me, we would always go to Cedar Point. Maybe they couldn't get the rights to mention it. I don't yeah, know. maybe. But um. Or maybe they don't, maybe Six Flags is more of a, like, does more, I don't know, I mean, I guess I've never seen anybody perform at Cedar Point, but I don't know. Well, they mentioned Kings Island. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, they do, yeah. You know what's funny about that? Because we talk about it on the podcast, and I'll let you guys, it, I think that's out tomorrow, um, that the Kings Island Winter Parade, or Christmas Parade, ended before the Glee aired its <laughs> So it wasn't oh, a boy. thing. So, like, there was, jokingly, I guess, in the fandom at the time, it was, um, is Blaine really doing this, or is he making up an excuse to sing with Kurt? Yeah. <laughs> so, I bet but, he was doing it. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and we also joked that he was a time traveler, then. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, I wonder how many times, knowing that Kurt loves roller coasters, how many times he went to Six Flags that summer. Oh, yeah. Definitely Probably yeah. a lot. Mm. Wait, isn't Cedar Point... Six Flags? Isn't it? Is it the same thing? Mm-hmm. Isn't it a Six Flags place? I'm going to look that up as we... I didn't think it was, but it might be. I could be totally wrong. Mm. Um, well, I know Cedar Point's in Sandusky, so where is Six Flags? Um, maybe not. My my high school used to go there for their senior trip, which was really weird because like we're three states away. Like, mm-hmm. maybe not. There's not even one in Ohio. <laughs> oh goodness! There's one in Illinois, but there's not one in Ohio. Oh no! Huh. It's in Chicago. It's in Chicago. So yeah, they would probably go to. It'd be cheaper to go. Yeah. To Cedar Point. There we go, people. Mystery <laughs> unmasked. So, um, and Kurt is going to, uh, write a musical about Pippa Middleton. <laughs> oh my God. What is it going to be about? Really? For <laughs> Seth Jane? I mean. Well, this is at the time, this was like right in the middle of the wedding. Yeah. Like, well, it, it already happened because it happened, um, before Prom Queen aired. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, like this is Pippa's like heyday. Oh yeah. She, like in the wedding. 
she was the the maid of honor and everybody was like yeah. oh my god Pippa is like dude this wedding's about Kate could you imagine though an actual musical because it would be just Pippa with an exclamation mark <laughs> and the whole like we would go do 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 Pippa <laughs> yeah. who knows maybe yeah. it's like some like a, a gender verse Pippin something I don't know maybe. I just can imagine just lots of sashaying because everybody used to talk about how she walked and, and like <laughs> how her butt looked in certain dresses and so, but yeah, I'm guessing that never really saw the light of day. I'm I'm sorry, and I know they didn't because Chris didn't want it to, but I'm sorry that they never really went places with Kurt's um, musical writing career because it does bring get brought up every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I wonder whether they, they speak to this kind of... Uh, because I know Chris himself is a, a, has this fascination with the royals and the monarchy. So I'm wondering oh, yeah. if that's a shout-out to you know, Chris's personal... I think so. Like, a lot of um, British stuff gets thrown at Kurt, and I've always assumed that's because of Chris. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, I guess the only last thing um is the, it just the, i mean because when we have the we have the britney and santana scene um where where they kind of say i love you to each other um kind of like the plane scene and, and he talks about yeah. family oh go ahead yeah i was about to say britney talks about that family that we were talking about uh, she mentioned that oh i can't think of this pretty quote but she mentions how we up his family and yeah. i think that hits upon that um, kind of overarching theme. Right. About. It ties up this really nice Britannia arc. Um, I, I'm not a Britannia shipper. I mean, it's not like I, I am anti-shipping them. I'm definitely not, but I, I have no feeling. I'm indifferent. Um, but I do think this is a nice scene between the two of them and to kind of wrap up their storyline because they did have a very big storyline in season yeah, two. Yeah, they did, yeah. Yep. And then um, the last scene is the Finchel scene where well, they <laughs> I, was it. I did watch that one um, when I did the meta and they're so like no who cares what happens a year from now let's you know make the best of it as we can mm-hmm. which is good and all but I'm like thinking of what crap they go through in season 3 I'm like they, they just yeah they're like let's go forward with this and not think about the future so um, oh, go ahead. I think this is like, and this is the one. The um, this again, the season ends on my reprieve because the the uh, the I don't because since Sue called off her vendetta against the Gilly Club, they're no longer on the. I guess their Gilly Club is no in the Gilly Club is no in no longer in danger of shutting, you know, being cut off or shutting right. down or something. So. Yeah. Well, and um, the very last scene is actually um, them all in the, the choir room, but it's, mm. uh, oh gosh, Will and Emma have a scene together. And it's funny, I guess apparently, according to legend, because I don't have a copy of the script, um, there's a cut Will and Emma scene where they actually kiss. And really? Season, I didn't know that. Uh. Yeah, at the beginning of season three, they're together, yeah. but at the end of season two, they're not. Yeah. Uh, and they're toying with it, but there's no big moment for them to get together, and I, I feel a little bad. This story was like the high romantic high point of the show in season one. Yeah, like major 
you know, couple was, and now their their get together moment is actually off screen. So yeah, I mean, there were I can speak to that because I was a um, in season one I was a big women ship for her, but mm-hmm. then uh, but then there's not really much to be. I mean, then that then. There was a lot of hang hand wringing in season two for the shippers, so I think a lot of after that people got frustrated that they just kind of abandoned ship at that point, <laughs> literally yeah, and figuratively. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um. So yeah, and then the the last moment though, um, you can't really uh, you can't really see uh, Kurt in it, but there is um, a little moment with all the kids, and, the, and they're having fun again in the choir room, and you kind of get this um, uh, pan to black. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. But, you know, what's interesting also, it doesn't feel like, you know how season one kind of does this, and obviously season six, because it is the end does this, where you get these enders, and it feels like, okay, that's the end of the story. This one doesn't. It feels very much like a season. Yeah. Um, like, this is the end of the season, but there's still more chapters to go. Well, and and also season... I'm trying to think. Because they all run together now. Um, <laughs> season five... Uh, oh, season four. It's, no? Well... Where is it that... Um, no, it's season... Oh. Okay. <laughs> Which thought you think you know, heard? I'm thinking when when they when they the the uh, I think it's season five when it uh, all gets the Glee Club is finally disbanded, and we see this. Uh, well, that's in the middle. Oh, that, of season, that's the middle of season five. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> that's the the middle. Of, uh, yeah, that's the middle of season five, and then we get all the New York episodes. But that was right. that was a uh, sort of like a split season. So. Yeah, and, and we'll talk much more about that when we get there. Yeah, there, has a lot of different endings, mm-hmm. um, and they end the show at different points in time. Yeah, um, but uh, season two is very much open ended, probably because they set up a lot of the Finchel scene talks about the future, um, the Britannia scene kind of talks about the future, mm-hmm. um, the Sam Sadie's kind of holding hands is. is, is towards the future. I mean, yeah, they've wrapped up all of these season two things in a very nice way, but it also kind of lends itself to stuff that's going to happen in the future season. Yeah, so. and it's interesting that we could talk about that now because it, because when uh, I remember when we were in the season, at the end of the season, there was so much unknown. I mean, we thought that Blaine might come over to McKinley, but we weren't sure because mm-hmm. we didn't see, you know, the... the um, the tour hadn't happened yet, so we're like, okay, what's going on with Blaine and stuff like that. So there was a lot of big unknowns at that point. Mm-hmm. And so because, and also because uh, we didn't know how they were going to deal with graduation and all that stuff. So there were, at that point it was like, oh, okay, what's next? What's next? But now that now that we have the, you know, series, I think it's interesting to go back and look at it. But at the time, people were like on the edge. They're yeah. wondering what, what happened next. Well, and it feels very much like a school year. I mean, you know how, uh, you know, we all went through high school and, and, you know, your junior year or whatever, you would, you know, you came in and it was all this stuff and then you ended, but it wasn't really the end Uh end that year, but um, you still had future years to look forward to and summer stuff and, you know, your senior year coming up and everything like that. So it doesn't have the finality. Exactly. Um, It's like a to be continued. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Well, yeah. is there anything else that we missed in, in either episode that we want to touch upon? Or? I, think I, I think we covered everything. It's good. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, wrapping up season two. Thank you guys so much for joining me on uh, talking about the, the season enders here. Well, thank you for having us. will be suspicious my brother will be there at the waves upon the tropical Disabilities, let you out half the little seas. Rejoice and love yourself today, cause baby, you were born this nope. way. So raise your glass if you are wrong in all the right ways. All your life, you were only waiting for this moment to arrive. This could be the end of everything.